Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Our time today. I'm going to turn to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter number 16. 1 Kings 16. And I'm going to read one verse. Verse number 34. 1 Kings 16. And we're going to read verse number 34. Amen. Glad to see everyone in the house of the Lord. Be faithful to the house of the Lord. Amen. In these next several weeks, you have opportunity to do so. You're going to have opportunity to hear some different voices here besides mine. And so we want to come and be a part of that. Remember that this morning is our only service. We're having one service today. That is right now. Amen. There will be no service this evening. Amen. But we're having service this morning. First Kings chapter number 16, verse number 34. The Bible says, in his days, and the his that it's referring to is Ahab. In his days did Hiel the Bethelite build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof in Abiram, his firstborn. Set up the gates thereof in his youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. In his days did Hiel rebuilt Jericho. He would lay the foundation in one of his son's lives and the gates thereof in another of his son's. Whenever it really says that in his or in Abiram, when you look back in Joshua 6 and it tells the story of when this call it a curse was first given um, it's to the effect that basically at the price of at the price of his firstborn at the price of his youngest would Jericho be built and uh, just this morning I'm just going to talk to us if it goes anywhere beyond that that's the Lord but I'm just going to talk to us and uh, talk to us today at the expense of the children. At the expense of the children. Now, Alex Mason, you are smiling ear to ear. He's thinking about the phrase, for the sake of the children. I already preached that one time. This is, for, this is at the expense of the children. I'd rather people be smiling at me than frowning at me, though. I guarantee you that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, today, God, for your presence. God, that we have felt, Lord, in this place. I pray, Master, that you're able to help us, God, in the next little while. God, to be able to convey something that, Lord, we can wrap our minds around, our lives around. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, today that you're able to touch us anew and afresh by your word and your spirit. God, on this Sunday morning, God, that you're able to impact, Lord, our lives. Impact me, Lord, if no one else, Lord Jesus, in this place, God, through and by your word. And I will appreciate you and thank you for it. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated today. 
lovely name of the Lord at the expense at the expense of the children just one verse of scripture so y'all should be happy just one verse of scripture here tucked in 1 Kings 16 and uh, somewhat somewhat peculiar because if you've read the book of Kings 1 and 2 Kings you will see that the tempo the feel of the book of Kings is just that. It all concerns kings, the rise and the fall of kings. It is during the time in which the nation of Israel is divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom consisting of ten of the tribes and the southern kingdom consisting of two tribes. And the book of Kings and just highlighting those that were coming into rule serving for a particular number of years and then being superseded by yet another king. And so among those is this verse number 34. Among these recording of kings, we have this little bit of information that the writer, and more so that God wanted to share with those that would read his word, that there was a time amidst among all of this that during the time in which one of these particular kings served, which was Ahab, as some of you may remember, that a man that was a Bethlehite came, Bethelite came and built a city that had been in existence before, built the walls of a city that was in existence before, the city of Jericho. We have to go backwards in order to go forwards this morning. If we were to go back and look at Jericho, how many remember the story of the walls of Jericho falling down flat? Amen. The walls of Jericho. Jericho was the first city that the children of Israel would overtake while they were endeavoring to inhabit and become inheritors of the promised land, the land of Canaan. It was the first city. It was, by many estimations, it was the stronghold of, of Canaan it was that which would grant entry into that land that God had promised them and God had made it very plain that whenever you enter into Canaan the responsibility then after you get there is to make sure that you drive out all of the Canaanites all of these false gods and false images and these groves and these uh, uh, trees that are built and situated where people would make sacrifices to false gods, you need to rid, rid Canaan of them. But in order to do that, they would have to pass, first of all, through Jericho. Jericho was a very fortified city, had very, very thick walls, very thick walls. History tells us that you could ride a few spans of chariots next to each other on top of the walls of Jericho. So they were very thick walls. As a matter of fact, they were so thick that we even read that there were maybe even some houses or dwellings that were within the walls of Jericho. But in order to have Canaan, they would have to take Jericho. At, the at that time in Joshua 6, it belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. It belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. Amen. And it was under their care. But as time would go on, Joshua would receive the word of what must be accomplished and done in order to overtake Jericho, in order to be successful in that. He would get the instruction that he was to have the children of Israel 
march around the walls of Jericho for seven days. Once a day for six days, and on the seventh day they were to march seven times. Nothing is being said. Nothing is being spoken. They're just silent seemingly as they are walking around the walls. But on the seventh day when they would march seven times, on that seventh time, the instruction was this, that they were to blow the trumpets. Everybody was to shout. And the Bible is very uh, plain in telling us that God would bring down the walls of Jericho. And so as they were waiting in anticipation for this moment at the end of that seventh day and that seventh time, being quiet, being still, doing what the Lord had asked them, they knew that God was ultimately the one to be given the credit for the walls of Jericho coming down. So later when they are walking among the rubbish and the ruins and those fortified walls that were in front of them are now under their feet, they, they, they cannot really claim total ownership that we secured this victory on our own or that our walking and our shouting and all of this is what secured our victory, but they knew that it was the hand of God that had brought that down around the walls of Jericho. And whatever it did, it exposed everything that was in Jericho. When the walls came down, it exposed everything that was in Canaan. Canaan and the land of Canaan was full of heathens. It was full of pagan people, full of idol worship, full of false gods. But when Jericho's walls came down, it was the key, the gate, if you will, to Canaan. It was the key, the gateway, even to Jericho itself. And it exposed all of these things. And whenever that moment happened, Amen. And Joshua and the children of Israel are rejoicing as a result of it. Joshua made a plea. He adjured the children of Israel in Joshua 6 and verse 26. And the Bible says, And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth his city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn. And his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. What I read to you in our scripture setting in 1 Kings is every bit of five to seven hundred years removed from the moment that Joshua gave that plea when the walls of Jericho came down. And the curse was on the man that was to build Jericho. We read between that episode and the episode of the first kings that there were times that there were people that lived around and in the area of Jericho but never had the walls of Jericho been refortified never had the walls of Jericho been rebuilt and so whenever this man Hiel comes in first kings and he begins to build Jericho he is rebuilding the walls of that city that was disdained by God he is rebuilding the walls of that city that was the key and the gateway to Canaan, to all of that place that God said they would inherit as a promise. And this is the plea of Joshua. You're going to know, you're going to know that Jericho, if I can say it in my own words, you're going to know that Jericho is being rebuilt when you see that there is a man willing at the expense of his children to rebuild the wall. You're going to know that someone is laying some brick back around the walls of Jericho when there's a man at the expense of his children doing this. Now, now to understand just a few things today, amen, 
Children all throughout Old Testament scripture, particularly boys, seem to always be very important to their fathers. Amen. Especially their firstborn son. That's the one that is going to get a double portion of the inheritance that his father has. That's the one that whenever mom and dad got owed, he was going to be caring for them. And so the firstborn was very important to the fathers. Amen. Not only that, he got, he got workers by virtue of having his, his men. Amen. His sons that would be born. And so they're very important to him. So it would be almost just out, just out of our minds to think that a father would want to see anything done to his sons because there was so much value so much that was planted upon them so much that was invested in them yet that seems to be the case here in scripture and God says though you're going to know that this is the case whenever a man is willing you know the severity of something is happening gone wrong whenever a man is willing to expend if you will the most valuable thing perhaps in his life and that is his own sons and whenever you see this you're going to know that things are not right concerning the alignment of that man and for that matter that he is living in a day that is in a downward spiral the Bible says that this high L was of the city of Bethel or he was a Bethelite if we remember Bethel Bethel was a place where Abraham amen and several had built altars it was the place where angels ascended and descended upon a ladder it's a place where a man would have conversation with God and hear from heaven but over the course of time the dynamics of all of that had changed where that was once a place someone communed with God now it's a place where Ahab as king and Jeroboam as king has set up golden calves so people would come and worship bow down and kneel to them the total dynamic of everything has changed and the Bible says in the days then of Ahab would this man come forth and rebuild the walls of Jericho I, I, let me just cut to the chase because I really don't have a whole lot of time this morning but the, the, the concept and idea is this is that a man decided to rebuild walls of preservation around something that God had tore down. A man decided to rebuild walls of preservation around something that God had tore down. They wanted to protect Amen. He rebuilt. He wanted to protect the image of what was, and he did so at the expense of his children. He did so at the expense of his children. And the reason why is because the climate of that age was idolatrous. The climate of the age of King Ahab was doing everything that was diabolical against contrary to God. And whenever you live in an environment that is contrary to God, amen, it can have an effect on the men of that society. If I can, I'm trying to breathe a warning today because we're not living in the best of times. We're not living in the most pure of societies. We're living in a time in which we are more immoral than we are moral. And so I'm making a call to the men this morning that we got to safeguard ourselves, safeguard our families, safeguard the influences that come into our lives, into our homes, and what we allow to have impressions upon us because if we would give ourselves to our society and give ourselves to the norms of today's generation we'll be no different than Hiel and we'll start preserving the very things that God has tore down and we'll yes, yes. 
We'll, we'll, someone say amen. We'll start, we'll start preserving uh, the, the story. He said this was in the days of Ahab. He said a man is expending the thing that would have been very valuable to him. He's expending his children. Amen. He's expending his children because he's living in an environment that is corrupt. He's living in an environment, amen, of serving false gods. He's living in an environment that is full of debauchery. Amen. He's in a city. He's in a city that loved God. He's in a city that had angelic visitation. He's in a city where people called out to God. But now the dynamic has changed. Now the dynamic of change. Where people first called on God, now they're calling on the things of the world that have no ability to affect change. And this guy is going to a city that was a gateway for the promise of his people. And he's laying down brick. And here is here is something perhaps greater than anything. He loses his firstborn when he lays the foundation. Now, I think I quit right there. Huh? I'm laying the foundation. Son dies. This is in direct relationship to a prophecy that was spoken 500 years ago. I mean, for 500, 700 years, nobody even attempted this. Nobody. Passed from father to son, son to father. Nobody had even attempted this. No man had attempted to build up what the Lord had pulled down. Nobody. Nobody. So what, 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 I mean, what happened here? But this man does. He starts with the foundation as anybody would. And in the process of doing that, he, he gets word from a servant. I don't know. Hiel. Your firstborn son, Abiram, is dead. Son, there had to be a shockwave go through him and the rest of the people because what they were seeing in this moment is that God's word is held to be truth. God's word is reliable. And that's one reason why this verse is set here to underscore the reliability of God's word. Joshua said this was happened the day that the foundation that was laid, the firstborn died. He's, he's setting up the reliability of God's word because the next chapter, Elijah's going to come forth and go to Ahab and say it's not going to rain, the dew of heaven's not going to fall by so many years according to the word. He, he, he was coming during an hour when nobody thought much about the word, but he was using this story to once again secure the reliability of the word of God. And so here the first, he said, okay. He said, I'm letting you know your son Abiram is dead. Honey, he should have started thinking about 500, 700. This story that has been told, if a man ever tries to raise up what God has pulled down, if a man ever tries to rebuild what God has cast down, then this and this is going to happen. That should have somehow reverberated with his spirit. He should have at that moment said, you know what? That's enough. I'm not willing to sacrifice that. I'm not willing to give that. I'm not willing to invest that. I'm going to walk away. But he was so tied up by the society he lived in. He was so tied up by the environment he lived in that he allowed his firstborn to buy and evidently he continued on. He continued building. He continued erecting, if you will, what God had tore down. And whenever he got finished, he might have had a city of Jericho that was preserved, but he didn't have no family. 
I guess what I'm trying to get at this morning is this. As fathers and men, what are we willing to gain that's not of God at the expense of our children? There's certain things God has tore down in some of our lives. There's certain things that he has made flat at our feet. I don't want to be a high L that goes back and starts rebuilding what God has already given me victory over in my life. I don't want to go back to some of the same places I used to be. I want that to remain flat. And I don't want to start rebuilding some of those things because there's something I must realize that I'm going to have influence and impact on the generation that comes after me. And I'm not willing to sacrifice the lives of my kids. I'm not willing to sacrifice the lives of my family for the purpose of making a wall of protection around something that God pulled down. See, 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 this, this, is, this is something that's a little bit of a problem world over, church over, and this is this. People don't understand. If someone never knew the story of Jericho, they're asking in their mind, why in the world this thing in ruins like this? Why don't we fix this up? Kind of goes back to the same old story. Don't tear down a fence if you don't know why it was ever put there. On the same token, don't be erecting a fence if you don't know why it was tore down. He said this had to be tore down and for the children of Israel to inherit their promise in order for the next generation to have it better than the generation that was in the wilderness. This, this, this has to go in order for us to have interest. This has to go in order for their kids to have it better off than what they had in Egypt and what they had in the wilderness. So don't be going erecting, amen, the wall and the bricks all over again because to do so will be at the expense of your children. We're vulnerable to our surroundings. We're vulnerable to our surroundings. Man was willing to rebuild what God had tore down. It for sure indicates how vulnerable we are to our surroundings. If the toe could have been held for five to seven hundred years and then lost five, seven centuries later because it was in the days of Ahab. I do not believe, I'm absolutely confident, the Bible, whenever it speaks of Ahab, he follows the line of Jeroboam. And it's, we see the succession of evil kings, wicked kings. This one did wicked, he did just like Jeroboam had done. Jeroboam seems to be the benchmark. Did just like Jeroboam, Jeroboam was the man that put those two golden calves, one in Dan, one in Bethel. Just, just, just like Jeroboam. When we come to Ahab, not only is he just like Jeroboam, but the Bible says he had done worse. He had done, he had done above all. Every king that was before him. In other words, it had never been as bad as it was right now during the time of Ahab. And that gave, that gave birth to what we have in Hiel. And so if that's the case, I wonder, though, what would the outcome have been? What the outcome had been had the environment been different? What had the outcome had been rather than them serving idol gods, they had, were serving the true God like they should have?
What, what would the outcome have been had instead of a wicked king, they had a good king in command at that time? I believe the outcome would have been like the outcome of the previous 500 to 700 years. Nobody would have been trying to rebuild what God had pulled down. Nobody would try to be rebuilding what the Lord had pulled down. And as a result of that, their kids and their families would have been safeguarded. And they would continue on in that same function and in that same line. But be, do, and here's the thing, folks. I, I don't really have much control over my environment. I know everybody wants to make a plea, let us save the world, and you know what, we should be trying. But the fact of the matter is, whenever the trump sounds, some's going to be saved and some's going to be lost. And I can only affect my world only so much. I only have so much control over the world in which I live. Amen. But what I do have control over is I have control over me. And I have control over my family. I have control over me, and I have control over my family. Just because it's popular in the world, it don't have to be popular in my house. Just, just because it's the new thrill and deal that everybody's chasing after doesn't mean me and my household got to go chasing after it. Amen. It was at the expense of the children. We read of such a scenario that someone that had no regard, no regard for what it cost, or what it cost his kids. We read of the story of Hezekiah. We read of the story of Hezekiah. There were some great things done during his lifetime. He did some great things, even his, his kingdom. He built up his kingdom. He did even some honorable things about tearing down some false idols and things of that nature. But the Bible speaks to him. Isaiah the prophet speaks to him. Basically tells him that there will be a day that I see, Isaiah says, some men coming from a far country. They're going to be coming from Babylon. They're going to come into your home because you've already showed them everything in your house. And you've already showed them where your treasures are and where all your goods are. And he says, there's coming a day. He says, I see it in the future because you've let them in behind your walls and let them see everything that you've got in your house. Babylon's going to come one of these days. And they're going to come and they're going to take everything that is in your home. They're going to take your treasures. They're, they're, they're everything that they, you've showed them, they're going to take. Amen. And Isaiah was speaking this word to Hezekiah. He said, that, that's going to come upon you and your house. Everything that you've laid up in store, everything that you've collected, everything that you've put back, if you will, for those that would inherit it, he said, they're going to take. And Isaiah, I mean, Hezekiah rather spoken to the Lord. And he said, Lord, he said, the word that you have spoken, he said, it, it, it is for sure is not good. He said, but, but is there peace? Is there peace for my days? Is it going to happen in my day or is it going to happen in the days of my offspring? Is it going to happen now or is it going to happen a little bit later? And the Spirit of the Lord spoke through Isaiah and let him know it was going to happen for the generations that were to come. Amen. That his sons and his daughters were going to be dealing, amen, with all this that would befall them. And that even his children would be taken away to Babylon as eunuchs. And Hezekiah spoke unto Isaiah. He said, Good is the word of the Lord. Good is the word of the Lord. Say what? Here's a father. What is wrong with you, Hezekiah? He's saying good is the word of the Lord. He said there's going to be bad things happen in my family. My kids are going to be taken away. All of these things are going to be taken away from me. But good is the word of the Lord. And the only reason why it was good to Hezekiah is because it didn't impact his generation. The only, why, the only reason why it was good to Hezekiah is because he wasn't impacted. He wasn't in, uh, affected by it. But it was going to affect his kids. 
kids. It was going to affect Manasseh. It was going to affect his offspring. Yet he was in a situation. Even the climate of his time. Everything that he had done good, great. But honey, he was willing even to sacrifice the futures of his children. Just as long as it was good or presumably good in his day. People weren't willing to let go of their firstborn. Israel was so not willing to let go of their firstborn that the Bible says whenever the Spirit of the Lord spoke to them and said if the blood isn't upon your lintel and your doorpost that all the firstborn is going to be taken, they were, they were adamant enough about making provision so that none of their firstborn would be lost, that they would found themselves a lamb to make a substitute for their households, put the blood where it needed to be because they wanted to safeguard their sons and their daughters and their children. Amen. And that's just totally diametric then to what's happening here in the book of judges that someone would do these things at the expense of their kids amen you'll stand with me this morning And if we bow our heads in this place today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.